This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Welcome, everybody, to our Summer of Love. Can I get a peace sign? Can I get a something? Can I get some hippies up in here? Thank you very much. Hey, when you came in, you should have gotten a program that looks just like this. Inside of it are a few things you're going to want. You're going to want to grab this card that says start here, and you're going to want to start filling that out at some point this morning. You're going to want to grab these teaching notes because they will let you know where we're going to be going today, and they'll give you some things to look at throughout the week as we continue this journey together. Well, if you are new with us today or if you've been gone for a while, I got to tell you, this could be the best week for you to be back. Kicking off a brand new series, we're jumping into the direction we're going for the summer, so you get it right in the very beginning. We're talking about love. We're talking about how love in action moves us to do sometimes some kind of crazy things. If we haven't met yet, my name's Kevin, and love stirs me to things from time to time. I've told some of you this story before, but when my wife Maria and I were engaged, we took a group of students to Costa Rica. We were on a mission trip for two weeks, and we were up in this little village doing a medical clinic, and then we were taking food up into even more remote areas. And at the end of that, we were walking down a path, and on the left of us was a cliff with a river that they told me had crocodiles in it after I had been swimming in it for the week. (laughs) To the right was a big cliff going up, and there was a path. And we were walking in one direction, and on the other side, coming the other direction, were two men with a bull. And they had a little string wrapped around the bull's neck, and they were hitting the bull, trying to get the bull to go this way. So being the incredible leader I am, I said, Maria, you take the front of the group. I'll take the back of the group. We'll single file. We'll pass the bull on the left. Everything will be fine. So we started to walk past the bull, and apparently they had been beating this bull repeatedly. And the bull was not happy, and when it saw Maria, it saw a target. And all I remember is from the back of a line of about 20 people, I saw this bull charge my wife, And I saw her little body lift up into the air. Now I thought, my wife is dying. I need to do something about this. So I took off. I threw my backpack off. I started running. My sandals came off somewhere down the hill. I saw the bull. I jumped on the bull's head. And because I was not raised on a farm, I was raised with dogs, I said, no. (laughs) I said, bad bull. That's no bull. I, I... And I I tried to push it because I realized the bull had taken its horn and hooked it underneath my wife's travel backpack and was lifting her into the air, and she was taking a roller coaster ride. And so I jumped on it. Luckily, there was someone bigger and stronger than me there, and he jumped on it as well, got the bull's head down. We got Maria off. And other than some blood from the bull's head on her shirt, she was fine. But that, that's a story. That's a story that I like to tell. That's why some of you have heard that story. Wouldn't you say that it's true that the best stories that we have are stories where love drives us to action? Where someone does something crazy, takes a risk, uh, steps out of their comfort zone, has an adventure, has some unexpected twists and turns for better or for worse. The best kind of stories are stories where you can You can either cut and run or choose to stay, and someone chooses to stay. Why? For love. The best stories, 
the stories that move us, the stories that we want our kids to know and our grandkids to know, they're stories where love moves people to action. And there's something inside each of us. I know this about you because you and I aren't that different. There's something inside you that wants to tell some incredible stories, that wants to have stories where where your life has been stirred to do something bigger than yourself, grander than yourself. You don't want to have a mediocre life. At the end of your life, you, I, I know this about you, you don't want people to say, well, he had a job for 30 years, she paid the mortgage, drove a Volvo, you know, he was in middle management, lived an okay life. If we heard that at the end of our lives, we would say, well, there." That's good. Those are all good things. But there's something missing there. Where's the adventure? Where's the, the incredible life that, that we read about in the Bible? The life that the Bible says that we are promised if we're in a relationship with God. And that's what we're going to explore this summer because the best stories are stories where love stirs people to action. The story of the Bible, if you're not familiar with it, is this kind of story. The very beginning, the book of Genesis says that God, because of love, in love, acted to create human beings in his image because he loved us and that love stirred him to move, stirred God to act. But people sinned. They, they broke their relationship with God. We broke our relationship with God and we were separated from God, locked in our own destructive patterns, our hurt, our pain, our anguish, unable to get back to our creator, unable to live the way we were called to live. And so what did God do? God moved. God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, because he loved us. He acted. He came into the world. He lived with us. He wrapped himself in flesh. He was misunderstood at times. He was beaten. He was ultimately crucified. He gave his life. Why? For love. His love moved him to action. And that's a story we talk about 2,000 years later. Why? Because the most incredible stories are stories where love draws us to action. And Jesus left us with his spirit, and he said, because you have my spirit living in you, you can do even greater things than I've done here. This summer, for the next 12 weeks, we're going to explore love in action. For the next 12 weeks, we're going to talk about living a life worth telling stories about to our kids and our grandkids. We're, we're going to live a life that, that the Bible talks about is the extraordinary life, the life beyond anything you can imagine, the life where, where God says a life with me is beyond imagination. It's something that anyone who really knows me and experiences me can have, should have, will have. It's a life of love. And if you've ever felt like your life is anything less than um, worth repeating, if you feel like your life is anything less than a story that you would want to tell, this summer is for you. Because this summer, just, just for 12 weeks, we're going to take Jesus at his word. We're going to look at what he says about love, about loving God, about loving people. And we're going to do it. We're going to experiment with love, and we're going to see what it looks like to love in an incredible way and write some stories worth telling. Because I have found in my life, as I read through the Bible, as I engage with God, that love, loving God with everything we have, and loving people plus action 
equals a life worth living. And I know that each of us wants to have a life worth living. Love plus action. When we decide to make love a verb, we have a life worth living. So we're going to make love a verb a lot this summer. Jesus talks a lot about how to have a story worth telling. One day a lawyer came up to Jesus, and Luke records this in the Gospel of Luke. And the lawyer asked Jesus, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I want to unpack that a little bit. Eternal life is this big phrase, and it means life with God in eternity someday in heaven. That's part of eternal life. But eternal life also had the context of of a life of purpose today, of a life of deep relationship with God today, of a life we're telling stories about today. So he asks Jesus, what must I do to inherit that kind of life? A life of purpose today, a life worth telling stories about, and a life where I'm with God in eternity. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in Luke chapter 10. This expert in the law stood up to Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit this life that's beyond anything that I can do on my own? And Jesus said to him, what's written in the law? How do you read it? This man answered Jesus, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, You have answered correctly. Do this and live. Do this and live, and experience the life with me that's beyond anything you can create on your own. Love God, love people, and live. See, a great story, a story worth telling, begins by loving God. Loving God with everything in our being. Jesus, uh, they're quoting the Old Testament, and they have four things, heart, soul, mind, and strength. The key to an incredible life is to fully surrender ourselves to God. And we have this idea in our lives that we compartmentalize. I've got my work self, my home self, my time with kids, my time by myself. I've got my, my after the kids go to bed TV self, and I've got my early morning self. We compartmentalize ourselves. But Jesus says, no, no, no. There's no compartmentalizing. You are one person. You have one life. You have one being. And with everything in you, if you want to have an incredible life, you need to Love God with your heart, with your soul, with your, with your intellect, and with your strength. It's the starting point to the life that God has for us. And so this summer, what we want to do is we want to have a life with no holding back. For 12 weeks, and I'm not asking you to do this forever, but for 12 weeks, we are calling our church to love God more deeply than we ever have. And we're going to give you ways to love God more deeply than you ever have, more passionately than you ever have, so that you can experience the life that you were created to live. This summer, I'm hoping and I'm trusting that our church is ready for something new, that our church is ready for something big, that we're ready as a group of people to say, you know what? Good is good, but good is not good enough. I want great. And we, as we've been praying into this series, we actually redid the whole series because we were praying into where our church is, and we thought our community is ready to experience God in a deeper way, to experience God in a more full way, to love God more passionately, uh, more deeply 
with more commitment than we ever have before. And Jesus says, if you do that, when you truly love God with everything, you get filled up with God's Spirit. You get filled up with the ability through God's Holy Spirit living in us to do the other thing he says to do, which is to love people. So a great story involves loving God, and a great story involves loving people. It involves loving others. That's the second most important command in the Old Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and, and we can't forget the second part, and love your neighbor as yourself. Because here's what happens in our world a lot, and maybe it happens in your lives. We fall in one of two camps. Either we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and forget about people, or we love people with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and we forget about God. But according to Jesus, the full life is, comes when we, when we love God and love people. Which raises an interesting question. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who's my neighbor? Right? Is it just the guy next door to me? Is that my neighbor? I can love him. At least I can love one of my neighbors. The other one, I don't know. They're a little annoying. But I, one out of two ain't bad. But maybe Jesus is saying, no, actually, I mean everybody on your street. And then it's like, whoa, I, I can't love everybody on my street. I don't live on a cul-de-sac. I live on a big street. What if Jesus was saying, love everybody in uh, your community? Like three or four streets, three or four blocks. And it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know about that. So, so what, what is he talking about here when he says, love your neighbor? If you have that question, you're in good company. Because the lawyer, the next thing he says is, well, who, who is my neighbor? Verse 29, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells him this incredible story that I absolutely love. He says, a man is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he's attacked by robbers. And this road from Jerusalem to Jericho, by the way, this is most likely a, a parable, a made-up story with a main point, but this was a real place. Jerusalem and Jericho were real places, and the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was, uh, was a scary road, was a violent road. Have you ever been driving through somewhere and you, you felt like, man, I probably ought to lock the doors? That's the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Back in my younger days, before I was married, I remember going down to Monterey to visit some friends, and we were there till late. It was about 1.30 in the morning when I started driving back up to Northern California, and uh, I got lost in Oakland somehow. So I pulled off, and I didn't know my way around Oakland that well, pulled off and uh, kind of inched forward to a cross street to figure out where I was, and as I inched forward, I realized, one, I'm not in a good area of Oakland, uh, and two, there are cars flying at me at a high rate. So I threw my truck in reverse, and I hit the gas and came backwards, and I went smack into a car right behind me. 2 a.m. in Oakland, I just backed into a car at high speeds, and these two big gentlemen get out of the car behind me. And so I do the only thing I know how to do. I come out in literally the most submissive pose I can. I'm pretty sure I'm bowing at each step. <laughs> Didn't want hands up, didn't want hands down, didn't want hands in my pockets, didn't know what to do. Pretty terrified. I get out, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, it's my fault. The guys get out of their car, they look tough, they were not wearing tie-dye shirts. Uh, and they looked at me, I think they probably laughed to themselves. They looked at my car, they looked at their car, and they said, well, it's not so bad. Have a good night. They got in their car, they drove away. I was reminded that Jesus is real in that moment, and that he protects me. <laughs> but you, you've been there, right? You've been in a situation where, man, I, I don't know if I want to get out of my car here. I don't know what to do right now. That was the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was actually known as the Bloody Way because there was so much violence. 
Uh, there were so many attacks. And Jesus says this man is going down the bloody way, this road from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he's attacked by robbers. They strip him of his clothes because people only had one or maybe two sets of clothes, so they were worth some good money. They strip him of his clothes, they take it, and they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And a priest, a religious leader, was going down that same road, and he saw the man, and he passed by on the other side of the road because he did not want to be attacked because he did not want to um, be associated with this man who was bleeding and bloody because there were some things around priests where if they were with people who were bleeding and bloody, then they couldn't do their job as priests. So he thought, man, if I help this guy, it's going to get in the way of my job. You ever had one of those? Someone's on the side of the street. You think, well, if I stop to help them, it's going to get in the way of my job. I'm going to be late. That's what this priest is thinking. It's going to get in the way of my job. So he goes to the other side of the street and he passes him by. And a Levite, another religious leader, came to the place and saw him and passed by on the other side of the street. Similar reasons. But a Samaritan who the Jewish people didn't like all that much. We've kind of gotten into it before. They weren't on good standing. These guys were kind of sort of believed in God, half believed in God, were trying to believe in God. A Samaritan is traveling and he came to the man and he saw him and he took pity on him. And he went to him and he bandaged his wounds and he poured oil and wine on him. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn to take care of him. And the next day, uh, he took out two denarii, which is two uh, days' wage. Took out a lot of money, gave it to the innkeeper, and said, Look after him. When I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense that he may have cost. And Jesus looks at this lawyer, and he says, Now which one of these three acted as a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And this lawyer, this expert in the law, said, Well, it's the one who had mercy on him, obviously. And Jesus told the guy, go and do likewise. Put yourself back in the story. Imagine being these two religious leaders. You go home at the end of the day. You go to your wife. She says, honey, how was your day today? And you say, you know what? My day was pretty average. Saw a guy on the side of the road. He was bleeding. Thought there must be robbers. Went to the other side. Kept on walking. Went and did my religious duty. Came home. Not really a story worth telling, A day like any other day, I'll probably have a thousand more of those days in my life, and then I'll die. No one will remember me. But then imagine being the Samaritan man. He goes home. Honey, how was your day today? Oh my gosh, do I have a story for you. I saw this guy. He was on the side of the road. He'd been beaten. He was stripped down half naked. I thought he was dead. Everybody around thought he was dead. I saw people just passing him by, leaving him dead on the street. But I I had pity. I don't know. Something in me just kind of stirred. And I went to this man and I I picked him up and I kind of, that's why I have his blood on me. I I picked him up and I put him on my donkey and I I took him to an inn. I got to talk with him and hear his story and hear what happened. And I shared our story with him and we were kind of becoming friends now. And and, uh, I gave the innkeeper some money. So our finances are going to be a little tight, but we can readjust the budget. Gave him some money, took care of him. I'm going to go back and see how he's doing in a couple days. Now that is a story worth telling. That's a story that his kids and his grandkids would hear. These other two guys, we have no idea who they are, but the Samaritan, you've actually heard the phrase, the good Samaritan, be a good Samaritan. It comes from this guy. You might not be a religious person. It's talking about this guy. This guy, 2,000 years later, has a story worth telling where the other two guys who walked by don't have any story except to be the example of what not to do. Jesus says that love plus God plus action, where it stirs us to move, leads us to 
real life. And I'm convinced more than ever that, that Jesus is right, because I've been on this journey for 10 months now of, of trying to learn how to love persons better. Not people, I've talked to you about this, not like love structure, organization, but love individuals in a deep way, because I felt convicted. If God says life is about loving people and about loving God, I know how to love God. I have a hard time loving people. Sometimes I think people get in the way of the stuff I'm trying to get done. You ever feel that way? If you're a type A kind of person, man, if all these people weren't here, this church would be fantastic. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I, I wouldn't, we wouldn't last long without you. We wouldn't last— my poor wife would have to listen all day long. But, but I'm convinced, I'm convinced that loving God and loving people leads to an incredible life. And that's why we're taking this journey this summer, because I want you to be convinced of that with every part of your being. And I want you to live the life that God created you to live. So uh, I picked up a book about a month ago, and it's this book here, and there are about 150 copies of it out in the lobby. And I, I've asked everybody to buy one this summer and to read it. It's a book called Love Does by Bob Goff. And Bob Goff is a lawyer. He's just a regular guy who decided years ago that he would just love people. Whatever it took, however much it costs, he would just love people. And this, this story is his story about how he's loved people, how God has grabbed him, and how it's led him on adventures and stories worth telling. This guy is now, in the last couple of years, receiving notoriety around the world. I mean, people around the world, world leaders are meeting with him. Why? Because this lawyer decided that he was just going to love God and love people. And this book has been ex- inspiring me. So I decided this summer I'm going to do it. I'm just going to love people however I can, whenever I can, wherever I can. And I can tell you, as I've been doing this for the last month, I've had some mixed responses. Because I'll tell you, I was a little bit nervous to try to love people. Because loving people is weird in a society where we don't truly deeply love people outside of our family. So I've gotten some weird looks. I had uh, my neighbors across the street. They're the Lindas. Their names are both Linda. They introduced themselves as the Lindas. They're an old, older couple. Uh, they said, we're the Lindas. And, uh, and so I have Lindas. The Lindas are great. The Lindas were washing their car the other day. So I grabbed a towel and I walked out and I said, hey, can I help you wash your car, Lindas? And they looked at me like I was from outer space. They know I'm a pastor. They can't really get a read on me because I don't look like the pastors they know and act like the pastors they know. And I walked over with my towel ready to dry, and they said, no, we don't, we don't want your help. So I had to do the walk of shame. All right, Lindas, it's been fun. I walked back and said, Maria, I tried to help the Lindas dry their car, and they rejected me. Okay, I can handle that. I was at the park a week later. It was graduation weekend for Petaluma High School. There was a couple there. I was with our kids. My wife was out of town with the kids at the park. It was, what, like 95 degrees that day. It was crazy hot. This couple had traveled three hours. They stayed at the graduation for about 20 minutes before their two young kids got too hot to be there. So they came to this park. Their kids are melting down. They're fussing. I'm talking to them. And so I thought, well, what would love do in this situation? So I said, well, um, would you like to come back to my house and let your kids play there? It's, you know, it's cooler. We don't have air conditioning, but it's cooler than this. I said, in, in um, you know, talking about myself, I said, I'm a pastor. And then I said that and realized that doesn't get you a whole lot of street cred these days in Northern California. So I said, no, I'm like a good pastor. Don't worry. I'm like a nice pastor. I'm not a creepy bring your kids to my house pastor. I'm like a, I'm like a normal pastor. And they said, well, uh, thank you for the invitation. We really appreciate it, but I think we're just going to not do that. Okay, well, yeah. 
tried, you know. They didn't reject me. They just kindly said, well, that's nice, but no. Uh, And then just about a week ago, I was driving to meet the family. Maddie, our our four-and-a-half-year-old, had to get her shots for elementary school, so we're driving down. I'm driving to Kaiser to meet the family there, and I saw this uh, 15-year-old girl and her mom in a car, and they were trying to find the DMV. I overheard them because I don't have air conditioning in my car, so my windows were down. I overheard them asking somebody, how do you get to the DMV? And someone told them, the right way to go, and they literally went the wrong way. So in as non-creepy way as I could, I followed them. Because <laughs> I'm trying to love people. I'm, okay, I'm not good at this. I'm just trying, okay? They pulled into a gas station. I said, hey, I can't help, from over, but over here, you're looking for the DMV. Can I help you uh, get to the DMV? They said, that would be great. They were literally 20 minutes away from the DMV. I mean, it was like, I don't know how they got so lost. She was getting ready to take her driver's test. She had just turned 16 or whatever, and, and so she's super nervous already. She's all dressed up, you know. Uh, so I said, well, follow me. So we turned around, and we drove back about 20 minutes to the DMV, and, and uh, they thanked me. I got to tell them, you're welcome. I said, hey, I'm a pastor. Here's my card. If you have any more questions about how to get to, you know, like the 7-Eleven, just call us. You know, we can, um, you know, we've got, you know, we've got the beer garden across the street. I can help you get anywhere. You tell me. Uh, they said, thank you so much. We appreciate it, and uh, they make may make them to church. I don't know. They said, yeah, we might actually come check out your church. That'd be kind of fun. So that one actually worked. But like one out of three. One out of, that's, not, that's not great odds. That's not. But Jesus doesn't say, love people because they'll definitely respond to you the right way. In fact, when God was sitting with Jesus up in heaven and he looked down on us in our sin, in our brokenness, separated from God. He didn't say, Jesus, go down to earth so that every single person will respond to you by giving their life to you and we can all be together in heaven. He said, go down to earth and some people will reject you and some people will look at you cross-eyed and some people will think you're crazy, but go anyway because love leads us to action. And love leading us to action is a story worth living. So I want this summer to be a summer where love leads us to action. So we can have some stories this summer, some fun stories, some successes, some failures, some tryings. But at the end of this, in 12 weeks, I want us to say, you know what? I love God more than I ever have in my life. And I love people. I really love people. Because Jesus says, love God and love people and experience true life. So this summer, what we're going to do is we're going to explore five unique ways that God gave us to love. And we're going to do two weeks on each way. So one week is how we love God, and the other week is how we love people. We'll do two weeks on each of these, and we're going to get into these five key ways because God has all five of these ways to love. It's the five love languages. Maybe you've heard of this before, five love languages. And we're going to talk about that next week. God has five ways that he gives us love He's given us five ways to receive love and to give love, and our goal is to become fluent in the language of love this summer. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to spend two weeks on each of these five ways to love. And in the end of that, we're going to have some stories worth telling. So we're going to have a wall uh, that says love does somewhere around the church. Each week you'll be able to write little stories about how you love this summer. We'll stick them up on the wall and you can see, oh my gosh, look at Kevin's not the only one trying these things. We're all doing it. We're in this together. We're learning how to love God. We're learning how to love people. Because the truth is, summer is a weird time for us anyway. Why not get a little weird this summer? It was 90 yesterday. It's supposed to be 70 and 67 and raining tomorrow. Summer's weird. Your kids are out of school. 
schedules thrown off, you're on vacation. Nothing is normal in the summer anyway. So why would we want to be normal this summer? What if we got a little weird? What if we got a little bit out of the box? What if we tried to do something a little bit out of the ordinary? What if we decided that normal isn't working, so we're going to get weird? What if we decided that good isn't good enough, so we're going to get great with God? We're going to love. And as a church, we're going to give you guys some fun ways to love, some risky ways to love, some out-of-the-box ways to love. And we've created this for you. Everyone's going to get one of these when you leave. This is basically um, a summer of love tracking chart. You're not going to turn it in at the end. This is just for you. And basically, it runs us through all 12 of our weeks of this Love Does series, and it gives you ways to know if you're loving. Because the truth is, we have these application points we do each week, but do you remember what you did five weeks ago? Uh, maybe, if it was pretty powerful. I don't know. A lot of us forget. So we're going to be able to track this. It's laminated. You can mark it off with a Sharpie. Every time you tried to love in a new way, every time you came to church and got inspired or listened to the podcast, you can mark that off. This week, if you pick up the Love Does book, you can mark that off. Uh, We've got a reading chart for you, a couple chapters a week to read the Love Does book so it can inspire us to go throughout the week. Now, we've got some really fun things. We're going to be doing blood drives. We're going to be doing some community outreach. We're going to be doing some um, out-of-the-box ways to love God. Those are all on here. Just some really, really fun stuff for you. I brought this home, and I showed it to my wife, and she put it on the refrigerator, and she said, we're going to put yours next to mine, and we're going to have a competition to see who does better, because my wife likes competition. You know what? If a couple is going to have a competition, why not have a competition about who can love better? right? And there are worse things to compete about in a relationship than who loves better. So you're going to get one of these, and I want, to, I want to invite you, not only because it took our volunteers about 12 hours to laminate them. That's not the only reason. That's one of the reasons. But because this is going to be good for you. It's going to be good for you to look back in 12 weeks and say, oh my gosh, I've taken some real, tangible, practical steps to love people. Look at I, I did this. I did that. I tried loving this way. I tried loving that way. I put love in action. So grab one of these on your way out and make sure you take it with you and work through it this summer. Put it on the refridge. Put it somewhere that you'll have it. Let's make this summer a summer worth, worth living, a summer worth telling stories about. My hope would be that at the end of the summer, uh, your friends would look at you and say, ah, there's something about them. They just love, they love people better than I've ever seen anyone love people. There's something about them. They just love God more than I've ever seen anybody love God. There's something about their church community that is just drawing something out. God seems to be doing something new there. That's what I want people to be able to say about us as a church when we get to the end of this summer. Worst case scenario, you're a little inconvenienced this summer. Uh, You get some awkward sideways looks, and you're the same. Okay. Okay, that's not horrible. No one's going to cut a limb off. Best case scenario, You get to the end of this next 12 weeks and you say, I've never loved God as much as I do now. I've never experienced God's love for me as much as I do now. And I never knew that loving people could be so much fun. Here's how I know that love will change your life. Because 2,000 years ago, God loved us enough to send his son Jesus to this earth to put love into action. He lived a perfect life, and then he died on a cross to take the sacrifice and the penalty for our sins so that we could be brought back into the relationship with our creator that we were designed for. And it's changing our lives. That act of love 2,000 years ago where God became man is changing our lives today. 
That's how I know that this works because it worked through Jesus and it can work through us. And if you're here today and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, a personal relationship, a relationship where you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he loves you and he's forgiven you of your sins and his Holy Spirit has filled you, if you've never made that decision, today can be your day to say yes to him. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And he'll take you on a journey that, that you, you can't even imagine, a journey where God's love is so real and so present in your life that it, it causes you to move and act in some pretty amazing ways. So I'm going to pray in just a second. And if you've never made a decision to give your life to Christ, you can do that right now. You can repeat a simple prayer after me. And I'll tell you when to do that. If you sense God is calling you to himself, you can repeat this prayer. So would you join me as we pray together? In just a second, we'll be, we'll be praying. And if you sense God calling you to himself, if you're ready to commit your life to him or recommit your life to him, you can whisper that prayer after me. But I want to start by praying over all of us. So Holy Spirit, I ask right now on behalf of our community that you would, would call out something deep in our souls that longs to love you more fully, that longs to be the men and women who love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength, with the, the complete totality of our essence. And as we do that, God, as we learn to love you more fully, would you fill us with your spirit and show us how to love people in radical, out-of-the-box, inconvenient, costly sort of ways? Would you use us to write some stories this summer? Stories where lives are changed, stories where our lives are changed, and where the lives of the people we come in contact with are changed. Because we know you can do that, God. And if you're here and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus and you sense God is calling you to himself today, I want you to know God could not love you more than he does right now. He loves you with an incredible love that is, is bigger and deeper and broader than, than you can ever imagine. And he's simply calling you to himself. That's the first step. He's calling you to himself so that he can lead you on this journey of life. If you're ready to make that decision, you can whisper this simple prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus... I believe that you came to this earth and you lived a perfect life and that you're showing me through the Bible what it means to be in a relationship with God. I believe that you died on a cross to take the penalty for my sin and to open the door for me to come back into a relationship with God, my Father. And today I say yes. Yes, God, I want this relationship that you're offering to me. Yes, God, I want you in my life. So would you come, Lord? Forgive me of my sin. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you show me what it looks like to love more fully and more deeply, both you and people? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.